0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Emotionally Intelligent Parenting Podcast. I am so grateful to have been able to spend time with Sarah Rosensweet last week. This is a very fresh episode. It um, was only recorded recently, and we are both putting it up on our podcasts. So we did a bit of a joint episode, which uh, I don't think she's done before. I certainly haven't done before, but we thought it would be fun. We wanted to have each other on um, each other's podcasts, And as, as you may know, well, as you know, for me, I do um, all things emotionally intelligent parenting. Sarah does all things peaceful parenting. And so they're super, aligned they are very similar there's so many so many similar threads that connect the two and it you know what it was just a really great conversation. We covered so much about parenting obviously about kids and emotions and big emotions um, and difficult situations and meltdowns, um, ourselves as parents, what peaceful parenting is and how it aligns so well to emotionally intelligent parenting. And actually, she shared a really fun fact that she was on the Martha Stewart um, show many years ago. So we shared a couple of stories. I shared a story about going to Japan in high school, which was a little bit funny. Um, So you're going to get to know us a little bit more and also, obviously, uh, the work that we love. And so before we begin, I do want to acknowledge the Darug Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I live, work and record this podcast, I pay my respects to all First Nations people, elders, and ancestors, and I acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and I stand in solidarity towards a shared future. So I'm not going to go on and on about Sarah and how amazing she is in this episode. I want us to jump straight in. Uh, If you don't know who I am, I'm Stephanie Pinto I'm the host of this podcast I'm a mum of two um author speaker and coach and obviously I love all things emotionally intelligent parenting so hopefully you know who I am if not jump on to some other episodes here uh we've we've got some really good ones I've been so so grateful that I've been getting amazing feedback from everyone so thank you and please tell me what do you want me to talk about you know send me your questions send us your comments and and maybe even your challenges and I can answer them in some episodes. I would love to do that. Uh, so, okay, let's, let's jump straight in. Enjoy.
1: Hello, Stephanie. Welcome to the podcast.
0: <laughs> hey, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is fun. We've—I've never done this before, but I have heard other people do this. Where we are having each other on each other's podcasts.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited, and I know so your podcast is a lot more established than mine. Mine's very new, so I'm I'm learning a lot from you, and I'm very grateful to come on to yours and have you on mine as well. So I'm super excited.
1: Well, and this is fun too, and we're also halfway across the world from each other, so it's fun that we could f- make this happen. So, I think we'll, since we're both talking to each other's o- audiences who already know who the other one is, we should just tell each other's audiences about who we are. Do you want to go first? You want to tell <laughs> tell the Peaceful Podcast, the Peaceful Parenting Podcast people who you are.
0: <laughs> That's a tongue twister. You yeah. know, I, I have a blooper somewhere. I. I actually, I think I shared it online once of me getting my podcast name wrong. And I was like, what is the name of my podcast again? (laughs) So don't worry. That, yeah, mouthful. Uh, so I'm Stephanie Pinto and I'm an emotional intelligence coach and author and speaker and podcaster. And I'm over here in Sydney, Australia, and I have two, uh, well, compared to yours, two little kids. So mine are six and nine although my daughter will be seven in just a couple of weeks. So she's super excited about that and, uh, and husband. And so we have our own little, you know, family unit here and we're just kind of, you know, bubbling along every day, trying to do, trying to, I guess, do what we know works and try to parent emotionally intelligently. And um, that's, that's all the stuff I love. So I obviously coach parents around emotional intelligence. That's my podcast is the emotionally intelligent parenting podcast. (laughs) a couple of places where I spend a lot of time is on, um, number one is on my Facebook community and that's called let's raise emotionally intelligent kids. And the other place is on Instagram, which I, I love following your stuff. I know you're on there too. And well on all the platforms, but, uh, so I'm on as emotionally.intelligent.parent. And so I love doing a uh, little snippets and reels and things. Yeah. Like I like that. your reels. <laughs> <laughs> They're fun. I, I was, I think I was telling you offline a while ago, I, I went through a phase where I did like three reels a day um, wow. and it was, in, it was insane, um, but it, was, it helped me reach a lot of parents and it created a lot of conversation, so, which is really good. I've authored a book called From Chaos to Connection and that came out last year and was a bestseller, which is really exciting. Nice. And my background was or is as a speech pathologist. So I did that for about 10 years before moving into emotional intelligence. Um, and the last kind of chunk of what I do that goes alongside emotional intelligence is anxiety therapy for kids, because that was my story. And that was who I like, I, I suffered from, I want to say suffered. you know, I experienced anxiety from when I was a kid all the way through until probably my early 30s. When I really started to understand it, I, I discovered emotional intelligence then. And I was like, oh my God, what is this about emotions and being intelligent? And we have emotions and it's okay to. And, you know, we'll maybe we'll go into that. But
1: so yeah, that no, we are. I'm
0: going to, it's on my list of questions to ask you. So, the turning point for sure. So, so that's my story. So, let's hear tell, I guess, um, my audience then. Okay. You know, if they're not
1: uh, really with you already. Yeah, I'm Sarah Rosensweet. and as you mentioned, and I mentioned, I have a podcast called The Peaceful Parenting Podcast, and I'm a parenting coach. I've been coaching parents for about 10 years, and I have um, three kids who are, let's see, they're, well, my oldest is going to be 23 in two days, which I can't believe it, and my middle is 19, and my youngest is 16, um, and they're amazing, and I'm so grateful that that I I I raised them with peaceful parenting before I knew what peaceful parenting was, and I'm just so grateful that I've always been somebody who didn't i have, I have a healthy dose of I don't care what people other people think, which made it easy for me to sort of just follow what my gut told me about parenting and not using timeouts and not using you know consequences and because it just didn't feel right to me like it didn't feel right to me to have created this bond with this you know infant small child, toddler. And then when they were having a hard time to, you know, do things that would go against the bond. And so I, I parented like pretty intuitively that way. And then I found that there was a name for it and it was called peaceful parenting. And, um, I, well, and how I came to be a coach was I was a stay at home mom. I, I came from film and television. Uh, I was what I did before having kids. And I loved, 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 loved it. I loved my job so much But I realized that I couldn't be the mom that I wanted to be and go back to that work um, because the hours were so long. So I was a stay-at-home mom for a long time. And then when I started working again, I was like, what am I going to do? And so I decided to share everything that I learned as a a parent, as a parenting coach. And I did a coach training with Dr. Laura Markham, who I don't think you're familiar with her and you know that was that was how i discovered when i read her book bef- like before i became a coach i was like oh there's a name for this and it's called peaceful parenting <laughs> so that's kind of my story of how i how i started to do this and yeah like it's it's been really great and i think you'll see as your kids get older and for anyone else listening out there like This kind of parenting is definitely harder. Like it's definitely harder to parent without that, you know, instant compliance of if you don't X, I'm going to take away your Y. It's it's definitely harder to parent that way. And it's harder to work on your own, you know, self-regulation. However, as kids get older, it's, it's easier. Like I've seen myself not struggle the way some people, parents of teenagers have struggled. And it's because of peaceful parenting. Mm, You know what? I,
0: I love that you share about that, that, you know, the ages of your kids that you have been doing this for so many years and the, the outcomes, you know, what's really happening now. I I'm, I'm sure it was you, uh, a while ago, maybe in, in another conversation we've had, and you've said your oldest, you know, he will still come home for the holidays and he wants to spend time with you guys. And it's not that whole, like I hear so many stories of, personally, and also the parents I coach who say, I left as soon as I could, as soon as I could get out the door, I got my own place. I don't even speak to my parents anymore. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I think, Oh my gosh, you know, that's such a, such a shame when there is that possibility for families to stay connected as you guys have. I just, it, it like validates my work so
1: much where I'm like, Oh, I'm on the right track. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's so true. Like my um I think I did tell you in another conversation that we're going on a family trip on Friday for 8 days. Like the kids, the 19 and 23 year old, did not have to go with us, but they're going. They're spending their, you know, university reading week on a family trip because they actually like hanging out with us, which is really nice. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. that. And
0: and you said something before um I think around You know, you've been parenting this way since before you realized it was, it was called something. I wanted to ask, what about your husband slash partner? Like, is he, was he, were you guys on the same page raising the kids in the same way? Hypothetically,
1: theoretically, (laughs) theoretically, totally on the same page. And, and he, but he's always had a little bit more, more struggles with, you know, staying calm than I have. So, you know, he's definitely like helped me be able to like when I see how hard he works to stay calm and how hard it is for him sometimes or how not anymore because the kids are older. But, you know, when they're when they're younger and they're like, you know, pushing all their buttons, all your buttons. I remember six was a particularly hard age for him. And and and. This is the thing it's helped me so much like six having the kids be six not him being six <laughs> <laughs> I mean maybe six was hard for him I don't know but but six was always was hard for him and I finally with our third child I was like this is a really hard age for you isn't it because I think your expectations of what they are what they can manage are a lot higher than than reality right because six year olds are so like they can play chess they can put together a thousand piece lego kits they can have incredible conversations with you. And yet they're still very emotionally immature. And I think that contrast was really tricky for him. And because of that, because I've seen, you know, him, his own challenges with, with staying calm, it has made, I I, I could not have been a parenting coach with a, with as much compassion as and understanding as I have, if I hadn't experienced that with him. So it's never, it was never a question of you know, no, they really need a punishment. It was never that, but it was just like, you know, my own coaching behind the scenes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, so
0: it's funny, my um, husband is Portuguese. So he is kind of, he came from that, I guess, culture in that family where it was, things were loud and the conflict was just uh, all around, you know, like loud voices arguing and disagreeing and things like that. Um, and then, so I'm from an English family. So my parents emigrated from the UK in the eighties and had us and we are very kind of polite and, um, proper and conservative and we don't talk about emotions like, no, 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 they mm. get under the rug and everything is fine. So I, and also I didn't witness a lot of like conflict, explosive conflict or loud conflict. So I very rarely saw my parents arguing and so, at the time, I mean I did, I had a wonderful childhood, but now, looking back, I thought at the time, you know things were smooth and easy. Obviously, parents, you know, my parents would have disagreed and things like that, but I didn't get to like experience that and to and to witness it and to learn from it. So maybe a fun maybe let me tell you a fun fact, because I had one ready. okay, <laughs> talk about this, is that in in high school, I took Japanese. All the way from year seven to year twelve, like for my HSC, so my end exams. And I went to Japan in year eleven on like a school trip, and there's this temple called, oh, I don't know if I'm going to remember the name. A a temple, I think it's Kiyomizu, something like that. Uh, There are three streams of this waterfall that you can go up, line up, and take a a cup on a long stick sort of thing, and, and you will put the cup under which stream you want. You're not supposed to take all three and drink them because then that scene is greedy. But one is, um, I think, uh, longevity and health. One is career or study. And then one is love. So I put my little cup because I was like, I really want a boyfriend. So <laughs> I was like 16, put my cup under that one and drank from it. And then that year was the year that I met my now husband. Oh, that's great. Like, that's great. You guys have been together, together you. since you were a baby. Yes. Yes. So I often say, I wouldn't know myself without him. And yet, because he's so different to me, maybe that's what attracted me to him, but I have, I've had to learn how to argue and how to disagree and how to speak up and how to say my truth. And oh my goodness, it's been so hard because when we were young and we would argue or whatever, disagree, I would crumble like I like a little leaf. I would, I would go into apologizing, taking blame and everything like that. And I wouldn't be able to say, Hey, no, that's not what happened or no, that's not okay. So anyway, we are, we are different and yet still kind of like you, we've come together to be on the same page in our values and what we're trying to do and the way we want to raise our kids. Yes. He's still a little bit more like quicker to anger or explosive, but he's, he is very rarely will he like yell and snap and, doesn't punish. He We were just having a conversation the other day and he said, when was the last time I did punish the kids? Like that's been years. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like my brain will still go to the, don't be so harsh or don't, you know, be so loud, but really we're on the same page. We just go about things differently. I don't know if that Mm -hmm. makes sense.
1: Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah. I love your story though, of the, I would have taken from the love river too or whatever it was (laughs) that's great yeah my husband and I met each other when we were 20 so not too different from from you but um yeah it is kind of interesting growing up with someone isn't it because we really grew up together too Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and I think it just because there's a I I wonder if a lot of people listening are in that kind of boat of it's really hard when your partner is on a different page Yeah. And you feel like they're doing it wrong or they're too harsh or punitive and and you want them to do it your way. I always, I guess, explain to parents that the way in which like every experience up until date, like up until now has created the way that we see the world and like the lens through which we see our kids and their behavior. And so when I just like, we've had conversations, my husband and I, and, but I wasn't there when he was being raised but I know the ways in which his parents related to him when he messed up or made a mistake or argued with his brother, you know, and it just brings so much more empathy and patience and tolerance and compassion. Yeah. Because I get, I got to this place where I was like, oh my God, no wonder you're reacting like that. No wonder you explode. No wonder you think, our son's behavior is unacceptable because look at your blueprint. Like if I was raised that way and if that was my blueprint basically or my
1: framework, I would see the same and I would want to punish him too. Do you know what I mean? Well, you, yeah. I mean, you just nailed the thing that I always talk about with, with parents when they're not on the same, or, you know, say your, your partner's not on the same page as you is that always approaching the situation with empathy is the only way you're ever going to get anywhere. Right. And that's what you just like empathy is acknowledging another person's truth or their point of view or where they're coming from. So that's always the place to start. And there's like, you know, and, and I'm curious to learn about emotionally intelligent parenting and where it's the same or different from peaceful parenting, but peaceful parenting is really just a, a relationship tools, right? Like if you look at them, you can adjust every, you know, every part of the peaceful parenting approach to what another adult, to your, you know, to your romantic relationship, because they really are just ro- romantic. Relationship principles, right? And with kids, we always say always oh, start with empathy. And same with like if your partner's having a hard time, you know, always oh, start starting with empathy. Yeah, uh,
0: you know what? That's that's interesting that you say that. Um, there's so many similarities I think with emotionally intelligent parenting, and the the way I discovered, I guess, or came across emotional intelligence was online, as you do. I, I fell down a rabbit hole somewhere. I must have seen a post or an article. And it was to do with emotional intelligence, you know, for adults, particularly in teams in the workplace, because that's where it was huge. It still is really huge. I think it's one of the top, one of the top five or 10 sought after skills, according to the WHO in job interviews. And and people want to know, if you come in and work at this workplace, do you know what emotional intelligence is? And can you demonstrate it? Um, Because no one wants to work with people who are, you know, blunt or rude or selfish or explosive or uncaring, unempathetic. So so I discovered in terms of, yeah, with myself as an adult, and that was a bit of a game changer. I was like, oh, there's – because I had no awareness of my emotions. Literally one of the chapters in my book, I, I, I think it's chapter three, <laughs> I named it An Emotionally Unintelligent Girl because I was the world's most emotionally unintelligent person. I just had no concept of emotions. I was so good at shoving them down And keeping them under, and I was a, I was a good girl. I was a people pleaser, and I, I'm the youngest of three, so I saw. I think I unconsciously saw what my siblings, I guess how you know what they went through, and and I learned from their behavior and and things like that. So I ticked all the boxes, and yet I had no awareness of my emotions. Hence, why I think a big reason why I created, I didn't create. I, I started to develop a huge sense of anxiety because I would just I would just leave as in like mentally I would dissociate if anything was scary or too hard or too too much and I remember asking my mom um when was the first time I fainted because of my anxiety I didn't I didn't even realize it was because of anxiety until my late 20s probably I just thought I keep fainting and I'm really healthy why is this happening and she said when you were younger in school like primary school so maybe year five or six you know you were supposed to go up on stage to collect an award I think and she said you looked like you really didn't want to go but the teacher kind of like encouraged you and and got you up there and she said within like a couple of minutes you fainted and they had to carry you off and I was like wow don't even remember that and yet throughout school then high school and even my first career as a speech pathologist I was fainting when I became that nervous or that anxious and I couldn't, I couldn't handle my emotions. So, so anyway, that was a huge turning point when I realized, Oh my God, I'm like almost doing this to myself. And it's because I'm not allowing those emotions. Like I was, I was okay to be happy, calm, excited, joyful, you know, all of those pleasant emotions. But the other ones I bottled up so well, like with a lid, screwed on tight with a lock in it <laughs> and but look where it got me right mm-hmm. so anyway I guess to circle back around emotionally intelligent parenting is so far the opposite of that it's it's acknowledging and accepting that we all have emotions that having emotions is as much a part of being human as having an elbow or a brain not something that we're ashamed of or that we don't use it's something that we it's normal, right? I, I want to normalize that our kids have big emotions. That's the way they are wired. And we have strong emotions as well. They're telling us something. They are, are insightful pieces of information. They're messages. They're telling us, Hey, this is not okay with you, or this crosses a boundary, or you need some time to appraise the situation. Hold on. Let's get some more information. You know, I, I want to kind of, I think emotional intelligence really is around normalizing emotions honoring them and valuing them in ourselves and in our kids so that we learn how to move through them. We learn how to process them. We can get on with our day or on with, you know, we can, we can go through tough uh, adversity and yet that doesn't pull us down. Our kids are going to have disappointments. Yes. Our kids are going to get really mad. And yet we want to help them to be able to process it and move through it rather than exploding or uh, imploding, which was my case.
1: And that's what we call, in peaceful parenting, that's what we call uh, welcoming feelings.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, that's what we call it. Yeah, that we've got to welcome all feelings.
0: Yeah. And you know what? There is, I mean, you know, there's so much research, oodles of research that supports emotionally intelligent parenting and peaceful parenting and emotion coaching. So even just coming to mind is uh, the Gottman Institute, John Gottman, Mm -hmm. and their work around research and, and studying you know, parenting styles. And they kind of broadly, there's, there's four different, I guess, uh, styles that they, um, they notice. But even before that, they zoom out and they say, look, there's two different ways of parenting. One is parenting with emotion and understanding emotion and and teaching about emotion. And one is not. And Mm -hmm. if we just broadly put them into two categories, we see the kids who are parented, with understanding emotion and and learning how to deal with their emotions, they are successful in almost every, every facet of life moving forward. It's just so much more beneficial. So, you know, there's, there's tons of research out there that supports this way of parenting. And, and I want to say, I guess, you know, it's, I understand that this is only really the last maybe 20 years, at least emotional intelligence kind of came on the map in the mid 1990s. Um, This is still, it feels new because a lot of us were not raised this way.
1: Yeah. Well, no wonder it's hard, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, what I find in my work is that parents maybe have the, um, like they, they have the intellectual knowledge that you just talked about. But then when it comes down to like a kid melting down in front of them, it's really hard and triggering. Like it can be just really triggering because of what you said, um, because they weren't raised with their feelings being welcomed or, or we, we slash they weren't raised with feelings being welcomed. So it can feel very dangerous almost like, you know, if you were ignored when you had big feelings as a kid, or if you were, you know, told to stop it or suck it up or whatever, then it can feel like that, that you know sort of the that inner child i find that super cheesy but it's also a useful a useful way to think about it i think that your inner child is going don't you know you shouldn't be acting this way to your kid right even if intellectually you know that it's okay for them to have big feelings so so i think it it um you know being an emotionally intelligent parent also requires a lot of that work on ourselves and and recognizing that that it can feel really new and unfamiliar and sort of, um, threatening almost to have for a yeah. kid to have big feelings and to be and to welcome it and not try to, to shut it down.
0: Yeah. I like that you said threatening because it can feel like this is not okay. Like mm-hmm. this is unacceptable. You know, I yeah. never, I've had parents say, and I'm sure i thought it, I never would have been allowed to fill in yeah. blank when I yeah. was a kid. And yeah. I remember my youngest, she must've been like four or five at the time and she was going through this patch of like rah, rage and like her older brother who is bigger, quicker, like, you know, faster. He's more smart, smarter, more intel. You know, he outsmarts her and outwits her. And, and obviously that's frustrating. And I think they were arguing about a balloon, a balloon of hers one night. And I had to scoop her up because of the rage. Like she was trying to scratch him and get at him. I think he took her balloon or something. And, and I took her into my room with me. I don't like, like, I mean, we don't like shove her in a room. We don't do any of that, but I think, okay, I need to separate you guys because you keep going back to him. Don't, like you should have seen her beautiful little cherub face, but with like red rage. <laughs> and I remember this moment where I just sat with her on our big bed and it kind of hit me. I was like, I would have been told you are being ridiculous. Like yeah, it's just a building. room. I never want to see, yeah. you know, and so on and so on. And so I I don't know, I had this moment I can still remember it where she came right up to me and she was like, Rah! and she roared in my face. And I just had this like wash, it's weird, wash of like peaceful calm. And in my head on I was like, Oh, you poor sweetheart, like this is so way beyond what you know how to handle. Like, I've got you, you know, we'll get through this. And I I must have probably didn't even say any of that. I probably just had that on my face and and what what you know what happened is what always happens eventually she runs out of gas and then she cries and she you, i think she crawled into my lap and i just sat there and i was like oh you know this is the moment where i can let her know that oh these big emotions are so hard and you're not meant to know how to deal with them and it doesn't mean you're bad you're you're you know i i think it's you know that you're a good kid having a hard time that kind of i think that's dr becky maybe but I think I would not have necessarily experienced that. I think I would have been maybe I would have experienced maybe some kind of stonewalling, some shutdown, some, mm-hmm. you
1: know, you need to get yourself together and don't do that again. That's that's Yeah, some um, shaming maybe. Like of of course nobody no parents mean to shame their kids, but there is a lot of shaming I think that happens when when parents are thinking that kids are being ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But think about how like our kids like my podcast listeners maybe have heard this story before but I'll share it with you. My daughter when she was around 10, I was going to say just as an example of how we're changing the way our kids are growing up, right? And their understanding of emotional intelligence. When my daughter I was around 10, I was was in the kitchen and I was making um I was making hummus in my Vitamix blender. And you know that, I don't know if you know that kind of blender, but they've got like this poker thing where you can like push the stuff down and like through the lid. And, um, I, I sort of, have been having like a frustrating day already. And I, I did this dumb thing where I like put the poker in without the lid on. And of course it got chopped up by the place and like ruined the like black plastic in the hummus and broke the poker thing. And, and I just was like, I was so upset about it. And you know when you're having a bad day and you just can't let go of things? You know when you kind of like, I don't know, I shouldn't say you. Sometimes I like a uh, perseverate on something that I instead of just like, oh well, I ruined the hummus and I can like get another one of those black plastic pusher things. It's not a big deal. I was like kind of beating myself up about it and um my daughter came over to me and she said, "Mama, you need to come upstairs with me." And I said, "Okay." And she she, <laughs> she said, "Okay." I think you just need to cry. I think you need to cry. She said, I want you to lay down on your bed and I want you to think about something really sad, like the fact that your dad is getting old and he's going to die soon. <laughs> oh my God. And I was just like, oh my God. She said, I'm just, and I said, Maxine, thank you so much. You're so sweet. And she said, I'm just, I just want to do for you what you do for me. And like, isn't that like the loveliest, like most emotionally intelligent thing? Like she was just like, you just need to cry. You just need to cry. Like how many times has she heard me saying that to her, right? Oh, wow. What a beautiful story. I love things come full circle. I love that. I mean, it almost, I had to not laugh when she said like, you're going (laughs) to just think of how your dad's going to die soon. Like, like, hopefully not dad. Hopefully you're not going to die soon, but you know, I'm I'm crying. Yeah. (laughs) But but these kids that we're raising like this do have that level of emotional intelligence that I think, you know, we were not raised with for sure. Yeah. So
0: I want to ask, what are some of your do's and don'ts with peaceful parenting that you talk about?
1: Okay. I have to give you my fun fact first, though. Oh, yes. Yes because <laughs> you didn't ask me you were supposed to ask me my fun fact. <laughs> I totally forgot. We got we went inside and we went all over. No, I only have to ask you, I only have to say my fun fact because it's such a funny thing and it's totally unrelated to anything we're talking about. But I was on the Martha Stewart television show about 16 years ago. I they flew me to New York and I did like a 20 minute segment with Martha Stewart in my old life as a crafting person. I um I taught Martha Stewart how to do a particular kind of craft uh, on the show. Yeah, that's really cool. (laughs) Definitely, it was uh, needle needle felting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's my fun fact, and I'm always grateful because you know whenever there's icebreakers and they say share a fun fact, if I didn't have that, I would have nothing. So, (laughs) Uh Uh, that
0: is is so. Is that something you do now, crafting as as? No, when
1: I started my business like I'm just a really, I'm a creative person. And when I was a stay at home mom, like I kind of channeled my creativity into crafting. Like I had a blog I, and, you know, did a lot of like sewing and baking and like all that stuff. But actually when I started my business, I found that it scratched the same creative itch, you know, like making my website and writing blog posts and like, you know, learning like the, uh, all about the, you know, parenting and parent coaching. And it really satisfied that creative itch for me. And so I, I kind of stopped doing crafts, but now I've been thinking about trying to get back into it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Now that the kids aren't, I'm not so active parenting anymore. I have a lot more time on my hands. Yeah. Ooh, I'm looking forward to that time (laughs) now.
0: But I do, I do lots of coloring in because I still love, I think because of my pediatric therapist background, I was always with the kids on the little tables and the little chairs and we would color or do Play-Doh or craft. And that would be the way, because obviously our our therapy was very play-based.
1: So I still love, if my kids are like, will you color in with me? I'm like, sure.
0: Where is it? I should (laughs)
1: send you my, I have a peaceful parenting coloring book. I'll send it to you. And actually, you know what? I will send a link for your listeners to um, download it if they want.
0: Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. So if
1: you'll put that, um, I don't have a link for it right now, so I can't say what it is, but I will send it to you and then maybe you can share it so that people can have the peaceful parenting coloring book.
0: Oh my gosh, absolutely. I would love
1: that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so dos and don'ts. I have one big don't that I've been thinking about a lot lately because in peaceful parenting, so so peaceful parenting has three big ideas, right? There's first is the emphasis on self-regulation, meaning you calm yourself. You you commit to calming yourself or, you know, staying calm or or trying to get calm when you when you're upset. Doesn't mean that you never get upset but just that you try to calm yourself. The second big idea is a focus on connection and the relationship, which we've talked about a lot as being so important. And then the third big idea is kind kind firm limits without punishment. And the big don't that I've been thinking about a lot lately is about that third big idea, which I feel like sometimes there is parents think if I can set whatever limits I want, as long as I'm nice about it. Like they kind of use it as like, they use that kind firm limits as an excuse to still have like power over kids. Right. And so I've been thinking about that a lot lately. So my, I could phrase it as a don't, or I could phrase it as a do, I guess I'm going to phrase it as a do. My do is be super intentional about what limits you're setting. Make sure that you're not using, um, you know, empathy and kindness as a way to just sugarcoat being still controlling of your kids, right, um like i I think some people have the misguided notion that like you can you know set limits just because things are more convenient for you or because you like your idea better as long as you're nice about it and have a lot of empathy for your child when they don't like it, so that's the thing I've been thinking about a lot is really, how can we shift this like you know it's not that in in peaceful parenting. That, that, you know, conventional parenting is very adult centered, right? Adult preferences, adult convenience is all centered and peaceful parenting isn't that now children's convenience and preferences are centered, but it's about teamwork, right? And it's about really, really like how can we work together as a team and looking at those limits is like, is this really necessary, right? Can I let my child have as much autonomy as possible, Can I say yes whenever possible? I mean, and you know, you're not going to like sacrifice your own mental health or, you know, be a martyr about it. I'm not saying that, but like, what are the actual health and safety limits that we need to set out, and how can we really let children be have more power and autonomy? And and so I just want to be make sure that we're careful about that, right? That it's not that we're still controlling, but it's just sugar coated and nicer.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I think that's really it's it can be quite nuanced in like, I have to sometimes think, okay, we need to, I don't know, get in the car or we have to, it's time for a shower or a bath um, or homework. It is hard to find that balance, I think. And as you said, it means we need to be super intentional and really thoughtful around what limits am I setting? And do I have to, like, is this the have to, is this a Non-negotiable, or is this a flexible one? And I also think sometimes, maybe I've heard from you know parents that doesn't that mean I'm going to lose my authority as a parent? You know, doesn't mean my kids are going to always negotiate and try to you know get their way? And I'm like, well, that's kind of part of the drive. It's like a biological drive of being a human is you want to get your way, you want to have your needs met, you want that autonomy and that control we get a lot of it as parents. I get to, on the whole, control my day. Most of my day, I, when I get up, what I wear, what I eat, you know, we have a lot of that. And we, you know, obviously we, we have more of that life experience, more of that developed brain. So we, we can do that in a pro-social way and a respectful way. And, you know, but our kids are, they still have that same drive and desire, and yet they don't have the capacity like the cognitive capacity to get their needs met in you know always an appropriate way or a mature way mm-hmm. they're just not there yet so they're gonna like beg and beg and ask and ask and and be really disappointed when they can't have something and so I think it's I guess to what you're saying you know it's up to us to kind of be intentional and this is a big part of emotional intelligence first step is like that self-awareness so how am I feeling right now what am I thinking how, how am I showing up? What's my behavior like? And knowing then that that all impacts the other person in the relationship or the interaction. So I've had times where I know I've been, I've had one of those days where everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And I was like, you know, and I know then I'm more snippy and snappy and cranky, you know, with everyone around me. And that's on me. Like, If my kids ask again, if they can, um, I don't know, go on their device or the computer or, you know, have another chocolate or something, then I still have to have that awareness. And, you know, I guess it's self-discipline really Mm -hmm. to know that what I'm saying and how I'm responding is impacting that interaction. And that that's on me. My kid is going to ask, they're going to beg, they're going to see if they can get that thing because they love it. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, totally. I mean, and, and you know, that is the place when when it really is a no and you stopped and thought about it, right? Because I always say to parents, like, train yourself to take a pause when your kid asks you something, like, can I do blah, blah, blah? Like, train yourself to just take a pause and think about it and think, is there a way that this can be a yes, right? Like, I remember um, I was the school council chair for many years for my kid's school for like the parent council. I don't know what they call it in Australia, but we got a new principal. And one at one year and I had a meeting with a principal and, and he said something that always stuck with me. He's like, you know, um, whenever there's like a question or a request, he said 90% of the time, like we really, I think we can really make it work. And I, I don't know why it just kind of like, like, I just love that he came into it with like a, like, we're going to try to like work things out. Right. And I always think about that with parenting too. Like, you know, 90% of the time, I don't know if if where that number comes from and just, that's what he said. But, but if you can go into things with an attitude of like, how can we make this work? Right. Like, how can we, you know, kids want to go to the park, but it's getting late. Okay. So what, what, how are we going to work together to, to make this happen or, you know, random example, but. I'm so I'm losing my train of thought. Oh, just that that pause, right? Train yourself to like take that pause. Think, can I say yes to this? And if you really do have to say no, and that's where you bring in that empathy, right? And I remember I used to say to my kids when they would ask me the same thing over and over again, and I would say, darling, you can ask me as many times as you want. And the answer is still going to be no, right? Like that real, like that real empathy where you just feel that for them. Like they just want you to say yes so bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my gosh! I, yeah, I think kids are just depending on the age. It's really, really hard for them to accept a flat out no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And well, because I you know remember- what,
1: though, Stephanie, also most of t- a lot of times parents just give it in such a not thought out way, and kids know that they're being arbitrary, right? Like, so they don't want to accept it because it's not considered, right? Because kids maybe can see a way that it would work. Or they can see that you're not really actually taking them seriously. So I think that's part of the reason why kids push back. Because if your child does, you and I have talked about this before for your last summit, the Goodwill Bank, right? Like if your child is thinking that most of the time you do, you know, you find that 90% of the time you can find a way to work it out then they do experience you as trustworthy and taking their wishes into consideration and their preferences into consideration, then you won't get as much pushback on the nose because they, when, when you say yes, as much as you can, when you do say no, they're like, oh yeah, she probably really means it because there isn't a way that this can work out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I am seeing that honestly with my kids now, both of them, because so much of the time I either say yes if it's obviously fair and appropriate, or I say, you know what, maybe we can when this happens or tomorrow, that would be great. Like, as you said, there are so many ways we can make it happen probably. Mm-hmm. And then there are some times where I'm just like, no, nah, we just cannot do that. But even then I'm not going to say like, nope, like what, what a silly question. I go, Ooh, you know what? That would be fun. But yeah. because it's raining today and the cars are the mechanic, we can't go anywhere. Like mm-hmm. <sighs> instead of no, we're not going, it's raining. You know, there's so, mm-hmm. so many different ways we can communicate and that's another big part of emotional intelligence is our clear conscious communication which means we're again intentional about the ways that we communicate the language we use the tone of voice like i think tone of voice is the biggest giveaway and the biggest maybe influencer on how on, on an interaction you know that if your a friend or your or your partner comes home from work maybe and you you can immediately pick up something in the tone of their voice, regardless of if they say, you know, you say, how was your day? Oh, fine. But if it's like, fine, you're like, Mm -hmm. Ooh, you get it straight away. And our kids get it as well. Right. There's like this unspoken energy. So I just think that's really, um, really powerful to be aware of. doesn't mean you have to be, you know, uh, gentle and positive and everything like we're human. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we get frustrated and I am snippy, but even then I say to my kids, guys, I'm sorry, I just snapped. You know, I've had a day and that wasn't on you. So, either way, we're, you know, we're going
1: to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you one more thing, real quick, because I'm really interested in the answer. And this is something I saw that you had a blog post about that you asked your Facebook community what parents wish that they heard more of as children. Yes. Can you share a little bit of that? Because I just love that question. And I'm so curious what what people yeah. said, and maybe that would be a nice way to sort of close out like some things for parents to be saying more to their kids.
0: Yeah. Ooh, that was so fascinating. I can't even remember where that question just popped into my head somewhere. I put it out to my community. There's about a hundred and I think now it's about 110,000 people in that Facebook group. Yeah. And so I thought, I wonder what everyone will say. And then what will it mean for them now with their own kids? And so some of the big things that came out from memory were, I believe you. So imagine if, or I wish my parents had said more, I believe you. Maybe when we were upset or when we were really mad about something or when something was unfair. So that feeling of being validated. So that's a big one. I think another one was, um, I hear you and I get what you're saying. Like this means something to me. So again, that sense of um, empathy and validation Kids, we know kids want to be, they need to be seen and heard and like what they say and do matters and it's important to us. And so a lot of the things that came through from those comments made me think, oh my goodness, am I saying some of these to my kids? Like sometimes we need to explicitly say, I believe you and and I trust you and you have good ideas Right, because sometimes we think that, and we're like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, cool, we'll go, fine. You know, in ten minutes, we'll we'll get in the car. But we don't say, you know what? That's a great idea, or thanks for telling me, I didn't know.
1: You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So
0: being more clear, I think, with some of those words.
1: Nice. I um I was thinking about. I know <laughs> this is like a like a random thing, but I told you about having listened to Matthew Perry's memoir.
0: Yeah.
1: And one thing that he talked about was how he his whole life, he just wanted his mom's attention and for his mom to be proud of him. And I think that's like, those are two things too, that I'm hearing that, you know, that, that they just want us to pay attention to them and to know that we're proud of them. Yeah. I think that
0: was another big one. I'm proud of you. Yeah. And and I don't know, like I've spoken to my husband about this and he would have loved to hear that, particularly from his dad he was into a lot of basketball and played like interstate basketball and and we met playing basketball so like we you know that's 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 kind of something that even though he was that good and he was at that kind of level he never really felt or never perceived that his parents were proud of him and so and I think wow but like look at all the like we've got a Basket of trophies, we've just inherited them from his parents. (laughs) And yeah, I think sometimes that if we maybe we can think ourselves, what would I like to have heard from my parents or what did I not hear as much? Um, And not that our kids are carbon copies of us because they're not, they're their whole sovereign separate beings, but that can inform how maybe how we relate and how we make some little changes and the things that we say to them.
1: Mhm. I love that. Well, I'm going to ask you the last question that I ask guests on my podcast, um, which is if you could go back, oh you probably know the question since since you listen to my podcast. <laughs> um, if you could go back to your earlier parent self, go back in your little time machine, what advice would you give yourself?
0: Ah, uh, I should have been prepared because I know you ask this. <laughs> you know what to my younger parent self? I think I would have said, slow down and stop and listen to what your emotions are telling you. Because as I said before, oh my gosh, they're a wealth of information and they are so rich and they enrich our lives. They can make it really tough or they can make it ecstatic and and joyful and, and bring us closer with people. But I was so good at putting them away in service of what does the person in front of me Um, think and what are they saying and what what should I feel how should I respond you know how should I show up based on them like I said I was a good people pleaser Mm -hmm. so I think my advice would be just slow down and just tune in and listen to what your emotions are telling
1: you right Mm -hmm. be gentle with yourself nice can I ask you that too yeah, Can sure. I'm I was going to say know. maybe I should answer it. I've never yeah. answered it in the three years I've had my podcast. Okay. I'm going to ask <laughs> it's
0: you. It's a little go. bit.
1: Okay. You go ahead and ask me. Okay. So what advice would you give Sarah to your,
0: if you think back to when you're a first time parent or an early parent of your, your young three, what advice
1: would you give to yourself? I'm going to say two things. One of them's kind of silly, but have a fourth child. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I, th- I sort of wish we had, but it's just, that ship has totally sailed, <laughs> but maybe not really. And, but my real advice was something that I actually did realize, but not until my kids had been getting a little bit older. I, uh, I was always waiting for the future, like when they're sleeping through the night, when they're, you know, uh in school, when we have more money, when like I always had this like future point where I thought things will be easier then or things will be better then. Like I always had this idea of like of uh, of like now feels hard and it'll be better when, right? And I remember I was listening to the radio one day and there was this like news story on where this this um woman was talking. Maybe it wasn't a news story. It was something I heard on the radio. This woman was talking about how she and her kids had been at the gas station and they just pulled away from the pumps and the gas, the, the pumps blew up. Like, and they had narrowly like 30 seconds earlier in their car would have, would have blown up if they had left, hadn't left, you know? And I heard that. And for some reason, like, I just got this like really strong feeling of like, oh my God, like today could be your last day on earth. Like, you know, like this, I, and what that, meant to me was like this is it like I suddenly had this strong feeling of like today is it this is it like this is it and actually a girlfriend of mine gave me a t-shirt she had printed on it this is it because I had shared it with shared that idea with her eyes so I used to have a t-shirt that said this is it that I wore a lot when my kids were little but I just started to try and think about like if today was your last day on earth like what would you find to appreciate about today and so that I wish I'd known that earlier because I feel like I spent a lot of time thinking about things will be better when instead of just thinking like today's imperfect, today's hard, but what can you find to like about today?
0: Mm, wow. Oh, well, that blows my answer out of the
1: water. <laughs> no, It doesn't at all.
0: No, I'm <laughs> kidding. That That is so profound, though. That's beautiful. Like I, I remember reading... You know, books and things, and I'm Eckhart Tolle comes to mind. Not that I've read his book, but the power of now and what we have now, and that we only actually have right now. Because what happens in ten seconds isn't mm-hmm. isn't happening. It's not yet to come, and what's happened five seconds ago is gone. So, yeah, if if not only now we we have today, and what do you want to find joyful about today? I think that's totally, really, really yeah,
1: cool. yeah. Even if today is totally crappy um, like find something about the day <laughs> that, that yeah. you can think that you can find some good in it, I guess. Yeah. yeah Cause there are a something. lot of, I mean, I know a lot of people in my community have kids that are, you know, not super easy and the days are really hard. They are hard, but even if you can just, okay, this is it. Today's the day. And yes, maybe things will get easier in the future, but what can you find about today that you can find even some small thing
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I think that's a good point to leave with everyone. Yeah. What can you find about today?
1: Yeah. So tell people where they can find more about you and what you do. You mentioned yeah. your uh, what your your you mentioned a little bit in the beginning, but just mention it again.
0: Yeah. My Facebook community is called Let's Raise Emotionally Intelligent Kids, and on Instagram I'm at emotionally intelligent parent. Um, my website's easy. It's just my name. That's stephaniepinto.com. dot <laughs> com. And yeah, my podcast is
1: the Emotionally Intelligent Parenting Podcast. Awesome. But, and yeah. well, uh, and your people can find me at sararosensweet.com. We're both lucky we have like slightly unusual names, I guess, so we can have our yeah. our names be our, our uh, website. My Facebook community is called uh, Reimagine Peaceful Parenting with Sarah Rosensweet. And I'm at, on Instagram at Sarah sararosensweet.
0: Simple. I love yeah, it. Yeah, and lots of stuff on
1: my on my website about uh, courses and my membership and one-on-one coaching. I have clients yeah. all over the world, even in Australia. Yeah. Do you, do you know it's... the book? Oh, I have to ask you. Do you know the book, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day? I've heard about it, yes, but I don't so, have it. So in this book, Alexander has a Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. And all these things he woke up with bubble gum in his hair, his brother got the prize in the cereal box. They didn't have the color sneakers he wanted at the store. He spilled ink at his dad's office, like all these bad things happened and And after every bad thing thing happened, he says, "I think I'm gonna run away to australia and um and that's like the the kind of the refrain of the book and he's like i'm just gonna I'm this is such a bad day. I'm gonna run away to Australia." And then at the end of the book, I'm fairly certain his mom says, "You know, Alexander, some days are like that, even in Australia."
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Plus, we have like redbacks and snakes, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I found I've I've been finding redbacks around here and blue tongue lizard. I had a lizard in my lounge room. I was like, "What is going on?" It's just the heat. We're in summer, so
1: yeah. I've yeah. heard it said that Australia is the country that tries to kill you. <laughs> it's really nice here please come (laughs) I'll have to come visit you someday oh and I forgot to mention my podcast the peaceful parenting podcast you can find it wherever you get your podcasts and this has been such a fun thing to do yeah I loved it I think it was really good I think we we um I,
0: I I don't know I think we get along so well and I love everything you talk about and we're so aligned and I just think yeah it was a really fun conversation so thank you
1: yeah thank you thanks Stephanie
0: All right. Wasn't that fun? I don't know if it's just me, but I had a ton of fun um, speaking to Sarah and swapping ideas and sharing stories. I think it was really great. I hope you guys enjoyed it. (laughs) Otherwise it may have felt like you were just kind of um, hearing a conversation between two friends, which maybe that's not a bad thing. Um, I think sometimes they are the greatest kind of conversations that we have when we feel like we're just in the room with people um, that we know and love and they're talking about stuff that we enjoy. So <laughs> anyway, I'm going to put all of Sarah's links in the show notes. So if you guys want to go and follow her, please do that. I love her work, as you know, and her podcast is called Peaceful, The Peaceful Parenting Podcast with Sarah Rosensweet. So go check her out. And if you're actually listening to this in March of 2024, then you will be able to see Sarah speak on my parenting summit, which is called Raising a Resilient Child Summit. Uh, it's all online. It's completely free for the first five days of March. It's March 1st to 5th. So if you are still hanging around at this point, at the very end of the podcast, I would love you guys to go and um, you know check the show notes. I'm going to put the link for the summit right in the show notes. Maybe I'll put it like right at the top, um, so that you guys can jump in, jump online. All you need is your name and email, sign up, then you are in basically. And you will get an email each day with where to access all the videos, um, of 25 experts in parenting, child development, psychology, um, everything like that, all, all the really good stuff. And you will be able to learn from them. So, uh, a, a fun filled, really insightful, I think uplifting week. This is going to be, I can't wait for it. And uh, if you are listening to this later, you know, after March of 2024, then you are still able to purchase the replay and all the sessions. So, and lots of other, like we, we packed in so many resources, courses, classes, access to stuff um, that is going to help you on your journey. So reach out if you want that, um, let me know and just check the show notes. But as always, you guys can email us just email hello at stephaniepinto.com and me and my team will get back to you. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day, guys.